Hi, it's Tiffany from Talk Tea Speech. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Talk Tea Podcast. This is episode 12. Today, we are discussing five reasons why our child may not be talking. And before we get started, I just want to note that this is not a comprehensive list. If you have any speech and language concerns, I would not hesitate to reach out to early intervention or another local speech language pathologist. And if you have any medical concerns, please reach out to your own pediatrician. Okay, so the reason why I wanted to record this episode is because I noticed while I'm trying to show Olivia gestures and modeling language, I can really tell that she wants to communicate and she wants to learn ways to talk to me and she is curious about how to do that. I did a recent post on my Instagram at Talk Tea Speech, and I spoke about how frustrating it could be when people say, oh, this baby is just lazy or this child is just lazy and that's not, and that's why they're not talking and that's why they're not communicating. They just don't feel like it right now. And that's not necessarily the case. I mean, our kids are communicators and they inherently want to communicate. Now, the reason why I say that's not necessarily true is just because we all have our days, right, where we may not be as talkative or as communicative. So that's why I put that there. But for the most part, if our children are not talking, there is an underlying reason and it's not because they're lazy. And we as parents and speech therapists have to do the detective work to figure out what's going on. And also when I say the child is not communicating, I want to make it clear that that could be either they're not communicating through gestures or sign language, or they're not communicating with speech and spoken language. So we have some kids who will communicate with speech and they'll talk. And then we have other kids who may not ever have spoken language, but they may communicate with things like sign language, gestures, AAC, which is that augmentative and alternative communication. So they may use a device like an iPad or other communication systems to help them communicate to us without using spoken words. Okay, so let's dive into number one. And these are all in no particular order. I just listed them and I will speak about them one by one. First up is an expressive language delay. So when we talk about expressive language, this is how we use our words and we may be able to understand what's going on, but we're not expressing it properly. So children with expressive language disorders have problems with expressing their thoughts, their ideas, and feelings. We can see this in our late talkers where they're having trouble with using words or even uh, word finding and not being able to find the right words for what they're trying to express. With a lot of my early intervention kids, their parents will tell me, oh, yep, he or she can understand everything and follow all the directions. They're just not talking. So to me, that would signal that expressive language delay and not expressive and receptive because if a child is understanding everything and just not speaking, that's where we're getting that expressive, how, how much they can express themselves, their thoughts, their ideas, their feelings. On the flip side of that, number two, a receptive language delay or disorder can also be a cause of why your child may not be talking. Receptive language is how much we can understand. 
Children with receptive language disorders may have difficulty with processing what people say to them. You can see it as um, when they have difficulty following directions. And this can also be in conjunction with an expressive language delay. So there can be a mixed expressive and receptive speech and language disorder. So if you do feel like your child has trouble with either expressing language or understanding what you're saying and following directions, the first thing I would do if your child is under the age of three, reach out to early intervention. You do not need a referral. All you need to do is reach out to your local early intervention agency or your state, and they will send out an early intervention team Uh, That may be a speech therapist with an OT, an occupational therapist. They'll come out, give you questions and watch your child play and see how your child's communicating. And they may recommend some speech services. Typically, the payment is on a sliding scale. So depending on your household income, that's how they would charge you per session. So I have some clients who pay zero for early intervention services, and then it goes up from there. But yes, so that's an option, early intervention. Usually it is from birth to three years of age. Some states, I believe it goes up to age five. So I would check with your state and see what they offer as far as early intervention services. Another way you can um, get services is through a private practice. So just really Google speech therapy services near me and see what comes up. A lot of the time they take insurance um, and others are private pay. You can also take a look at some outpatient programs at hospitals and they have speech programs that run through there. Um, So there are just a lot of different options. Oh, you can also reach out to your child's public school system. So if your child is of school age, you can reach out to their school district and their school can meet you and meet your child and see if it's, um, see if things are warranted for a full speech evaluation. Expressive and receptive speech and language disorders are common in children and it's okay, you know, just reach out and get that speech and language intervention and you will find ways to be able to navigate through it and make it easier for your child to communicate. And we always say the earlier the better because we do know that research shows late talkers don't just catch up. It is something that needs intervention. So if you notice that you have some concerns about your child's communication, it can't hurt to reach out. And if you've gotten to a point where you haven't reached out yet, it's never too late. So I don't want you to feel so guilty about that. Um, Just reach out when you can. Okay, let's move on to reason number three why your child may not be talking. And another reason is they may have difficulties with oral motor planning. And what that means is our children sometimes have issues with being able to plan how their lips, teeth, tongue, and jaw all move and coordinate together to produce spoken language. So it's almost like there was a misfire when they're trying to express themselves. um, There's kind of a message that was missed from the brain to the uh, articulators, lips, teeth, tongue, jaw, being able to use those to speak. And so when we have oral motor planning difficulties, intervention is also needed. So remember, you can always reach out to a speech language pathologist. That would be the person you're looking for in order to help your child reinforce those oral motor planning skills. So that's oral motor planning. And that's really when there is no weakness of those articulators. 
their posture is okay and there's no weakness of those muscles around the lips and the jaw. Um, so it's, it's really a planning issue. So it's neurological in nature. On the flip side, we do have some kids with oral motor weaknesses. So they may have um, weakness in the muscles and that's affecting the way that they're eating and drinking and swallowing. So if you start to notice that your child is having difficulty with imitating movements such as like sticking out their tongue and being able to move it from side to side, difficulty maybe drinking from a straw, and if there's like a lot of fluid that leaks when they're trying to close their lips or if they're having open mouth posture, those are all things that um, I would reach out to a SLP, a feeding therapist, and and take it from there. So that's just another thing to be aware of. I know it can be overwhelming with all of this information, but rest assured, a lot of the times it's an easy fix if you just seek out that intervention, get a couple of sessions in, and then you learn how to carry carry over those strategies at home. And it's it can be a quick, simple fix. Okay, let's move on to number four. And this one, okay, I don't want to start seeming like I'm blaming parents for this. So I'm just going to draw some awareness to it. Sometimes we are assuming our children's needs too much. And I do this too, for sure. My daughter, you know, once I see her fussing a little bit, I'm like, okay, here, this is what you want. Uh, I know that you want to be picked up or I, I know that you want this toy that's out of reach. So we're constantly meeting their needs without any need for them to communicate to us what they want. There's just no motivation for them to even have to talk or tell us what they want because anytime they start to complain a little bit, we're right there. Here's your drink. Here's your snack. And here's your toy. So when we are assuming it too much, and you know what? This also happens a lot with babies who have older siblings because then the siblings start to do the same thing that we're doing and they know what their baby sister or brother needs so they're also meeting the child's needs so what i've been telling myself is that when things are out of reach for olivia i try to give her some space and some time to figure it out a little bit on her own and she can look at me for some assistance if she needs but I really am working on giving her the time and the silence to figure it out before I immediately tell her what she's looking for. And yeah, I know she's little, but <laughs> it's never too early to start. One of the tips that I've given to early intervention clients is to have toys in a clear bin that the child cannot open. So, you know, there's those like plastic containers that are clear and they have the little snaps to put the lid on. I like those because then the child can see what's in the box, but they can't get to it by themselves because it's too difficult for them to unlock the, the lid. And that's where they will need to point to something that they want in the box, or maybe they'll have to gesture open, or they can uh, bring, just like give you more of a reason to slow down, wait for them to show you what they want, and they can't just go and grab it. Because when things are too within a child's reach, there's no need to tell you what they want because they can just independently go get it themselves. So the more you can make it a challenge for your child, it just encourages them to have to get you to help. Um, and then that's where you can gesture. Help, open, please, more. Those are all gestures you can use. 
I say gestures because right now I'm really working on gestures, pairing it with the spoken verbal model with Olivia. But, you know, if your child is talking, then you would you can model the word like, oh, you want the fire truck? Beep, beep. And you're giving them sound effects as you, you talk about what they want. And then remember, you know, once they look at you and they're actively trying to imitate you or you can tell that they're listening and understanding, you can say, oh, great job. I see you're looking at mommy. Um, I see that you're pointing to the ball. Good job pointing. You know, just give them that specific positive reinforcement. So instead of constantly being like, good job, good job, good job, um, (laughs) that loses meaning over time. So that's why we want to be specific with our praise. Okay, I'm getting a little off topic, but I just feel like it's hard for me to give you a reason why a child might not be talking and then not give you a little bit of a solution. (laughs) Okay, number five, another reason why your child might not be talking, there may be too many demands and too much pressure. So We are so excited for our children to talk and communicate with us. We're waiting for that day, you know, when they're babies. You're thinking like, oh, I wonder what the first word's going to be. And so once they give you a little bit, you're like, oh my gosh, you said hi, you're waving at me. And then it gets so exciting that you just want them to do it again. So you're giving them so many models at once. You may be interrupting and interjecting and just really trying to give them the prompts to to do it again to say hi wave can you wave at me hi hi Olivia you know I do the same thing for sure I just caught myself the other day because she's starting to wave and she made a little like sound for hi and I'm like oh my gosh you're waving and I'm like talking so much and I'm like okay how is she ever going to respond back to me if I can't shut up so I just I always encourage parents to just slow down give them the silence you know you can of course and you should be modeling gestures and pairing it with words but when they are looking at you and you're ready for them to respond we need that silence so they have time to respond and they have silence so that they can fill that silence and not just be waiting for you to finish with your demands and your pressure to have them talk. When our children feel pressure and they are super intuitive, they will want to back off and they don't want to be wrong. So when we're like, say hi, say ball, you want the fire truck? First, I want you to say truck. You know, that feels like a test a quiz. We all don't like that. So as much as we can take that pressure off of them, that's when they'll want to communicate more. And I think the more we avoid asking them so many questions and constantly wanting them to talk and imitate and repeat, I think they'll start to feel safer that they can initiate communication and they can talk without being tested and it's for fun and it's because they want to and not because we are demanding them to and that if they say the wrong thing we're gonna you know they're gonna be in trouble or whatever it is that they may be feeling internally um so yeah so that's why we need to reduce those demands and that pressure but you know I could go on for days about this so I will spare you and I'll leave it for another day. But I hope these five reasons give you an idea of why a child may not be talking or communicating. 
I know I mentioned it before, but you definitely would want to reach out to a speech language pathologist. When a child has more skills and ability to communicate, that reduces the frustration and it helps them be able to socialize with their friends and their peers and their family. So it is of the utmost importance that they are able to communicate and whether that's through speech and spoken words or um, AAC or gestures, sign language, however a child is able to communicate, that's the key, but we want them communicating. So with any concerns, please reach out to your speech language pathologist. Thanks so much for listening to the Talk Tea podcast again. I'm so grateful that you're here. I love doing this from week to week, being able to get more detailed with things that I want to share with you. If you have any ideas for podcast topics or anything you want to talk to me about, you can always reach out to me on my Instagram at talk tea speech and you can follow along there i also have like 600 plus posts all about early intervention speech therapy some new parenting stuff and i'd love to see you on there and you can also look at my website talkteaspeech.com all right that's it for today and i'll talk to you on the next one (laughs) 